Hello, and welcome to Victoria's Lift. Today, we're going to take a ride on a different show created by our new sound designer, Davis Walden, called The Viridian Wild. The Viridian Wild is a fantasy adventure podcast following mythozoologist Sebastian Verwood as he travels the world studying magical creatures. In today's episode, Sebastian releases an animal into the wild. Victoria thinks that you're going to love this show. If you enjoy the episode, you can find more episodes of the Viridian Wild at theviridianwild.com. Viridian is spelled V-I-R-I-D-I-A-N. Or you can also listen wherever you listen to Victoria's Lift or your other podcasts. In order to comply with our host's requirements, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go right into the Viridian Wild with Episode 1, Snurgle Snort. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Viridian Wilds. Before we send you out on your expedition, please be aware that this production depicts the reality of the natural world around us and will contain materials such as eating habits, mating habits, and animal death. Specific content warnings can be found in the show notes. Read the transcript of the episode if something is troubling for you. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, this is Sebastian Verwick coming at you live from the McKenzie Mountain Wilderness to my audience of literally no one but me. Nah, that's a lie. I'm sure there'll be maybe four people listening to these. I have procured a very generous grant from Dr. Vivian Warren, a history professor at Talbot University, to unofficially study the magical creatures of the world around us called Fae. The fae are any creature that are, for the most part, unable to be seen by humans because of a thing called the veil. As far as we know, it's a magical barrier guarding fae from prying human eyes. There are fae all around us, and we can't see them because of that. But guess what? I was born with a sight, which is the ability to see past the veil and into the other world. Um, the other world where the fae live. Otherworld. So far, I am the only living person that I know of to have this ability, but it has been recorded plenty of times throughout history. 
I'm here to release a squonk back into the wild. Alvin here, our squonk of the day, was caught by a pair of hunters and brought to a vet. Apparently, they thought Alvin was just one really weird looking pug that wandered out into the woods. Luckily, that vet, Dr. Annabeth Hale, has worked for me before and called me the second Alvin was brought in. It's not common for a fae to get picked up like that, but from what I've heard, it happens from time to time. The veil isn't a guarantee. I mean, how else do you think we ended up with stories about gorgons and sirens? Or Mothman? There are a couple tricks in the lore to allow for someone to see past the veil into the other world. One way is to just get hilariously lucky around midsummer, midwinter, or Halloween during an in-between time like sunset or sunrise. That sort of thing. The most common way to see past the veil is to get your hands on an adder stone. An adder stone, which can also be called a sight stone, is any rock with a naturally created hole running through it. You'll mostly find these by a riverbed or on the beach. Yeah! We're here, buddy! It's your home! Isn't it pretty? Are you excited? Yeah! Okay, let's get you out. Alright, come here. <laughs> Have you put on weight? Have you? Have you been eating without me knowing? Alvin here is a flat-nosed squonk, one of the four squonk species in North America and in the world. They are fascinating little fellows with layers upon layers of skin folds protecting them from both predators and the cold. When frontiersmen first explored North America for logging, furring, and discovery, they would document fey creatures like Alvin and call them the fearsome critters of North America. How could anyone call a squonk fearsome? I have no clue. In these lumberjack tales, squonks were said to be so ugly that they cut themselves off from the world and weep at how bad they looked. But you aren't ugly, are you? No, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, Alvin is six months old and has a great-looking dark brown coat. He's a handsome bachelor and probably wandered out searching for a mate when he got captured. But... But we're going to make sure you get a second shot of love, aren't we? Now, the first thing you need to do before visiting any forest is knock on the bark of a tree. It can be any tree, but typically the bigger or older the tree, the better. This notifies tree-dwelling nymphs called dryads of your presence. If there is ever something dangerous lurking nearby, they will warn you. Squonks have a very cool defense mechanism besides being incredibly fast. If you notice the folds of their skin, you'll see just how much of it there is compared to the rest of their body. 
Just like the spiny mouse in Africa, squonks are able to shed their skin. They have an incredible regrowth rate and are able to grow back the tissue they lost within a few days. Alright, buddy. Are you ready? Yeah? Okay. In three, two, one. <laughs> Mating season won't be over for another week or so. The males will court females, and then three months later, a litter of four to six pups is born. Squonks are marsupials and carry their litter around in a pouch. Okay. Now that that's done, I, um... Gotta head back to the city to meet up with Dr. Warren about reassignment to another base. The cool thing is that... <sighs> no way. Hold on, listen. Where are you? Oh, if I managed to see one in the wild. Oh... God, wow, you are beautiful. Would you just take a look at this? I mean, you can't, obviously, but I just can't believe we were able to run into one on our first trip here. Man, we are so lucky. What I'm looking at right now is the speckled griffin, the smallest species in North America. It is the same size as a bobcat. This is an adult female fully grown with a beautiful set of plumage. Being the size that she is, her wingspan is about 7 feet, so she only weighs approximately 11 pounds. Can't know for sure unless we manage to get her onto a scale. She gets her name from the dapple of black on her feathers. The rest of her is a light brown with white accents. There isn't too much of a difference between males and females in terms of looks, but the adult female speckled griffin is larger than the male of the species. Now, let's see if I can just... Welp, there she goes. Griffins are remarkable climbers, using all four limbs and claws to drag themselves up trees. When most people picture a griffin, they see a bald eagle attached to a lion with four legs and two wings on their back. In real life, however, the wings of the griffin are placed on the back of their forelegs, just like the wings on gliding mammals and reptiles. <sighs> I wish her litter were nearby. They lay up to three eggs a year in a nest roughly four to five feet in width and two to four feet in depth. I say litter because griffins have been said to be the result of breeding eagles with lions, but uh, that's obviously just a misconception. But you can see why people think that. If you take a look at the tail feathers of the griffin, there is, in fact, a working tail underneath much like that of the dinosaurs griffins are descendants of. Along with that, griffins have a decorative mane of feathers running down the length of their head and neck. All in all, they are absolutely breathtaking to see in person. Just beautiful. Alright, let's see what else I can find while I'm here. I'm feeling lucky. Pixies and sprites are the most common kind of fae that you'll run into if you go out and take a look. They have evolved to look like the insects and plants around them. There are probably thousands upon thousands of species of sprites and pixies. I just wish I could document them all in my lifetime. <laughs> but that'll never be possible. So far, 
I work with 15 other people studying Fae as closely as I am, but we are all based in either North America or Europe, so there's no telling just what's out there. This little guy here is the common pine. <laughs> Come on. Oh, there you go. It's okay. <laughs> He's um, crawling in my arm now, getting used to me, exploring. Pixies are playful creatures. They like playing tag, exploring boundaries, and have an absolutely curious sense of adventure. To give you a rough idea of just how intelligent sprites and pixies are, both groupings of fae are of about the same intelligence as a raven. Some are even able to learn to mimic human language, apparently. <laughs> um, he's in my hair right now. If one of them ever ventures into your house, you probably end up finding it rummaging through clothes or books. The common pine can grow up to six inches tall. This little guy is only four. The outer shell of the pine mimics the colors and rough feel of tree bark. When the common pine feels threatened, they'll latch onto the bark with their claws and lay up against it, hiding their underbelly. <laughs> can you crawl back into my hands? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Alright, I'm moving you back. To the tree with my hand to let you off. I'm moving my hand back to the tree to let you off. There you go. There. Back on your home. You know, pixies were some of the first fae I ever ran into. I thought they were just regular bugs or flowers, but then I learned otherwise. They're a really cool species to see on the day-to-day -day because of just how much variety they have. Remember when I said Dryads warn you about imminent danger? Well, now's that time. Uh, okay. Let's see what this guy is. I'm carrying an iron sword right now. Iron weapons are the best for self-defense, but should only be used for self-defense. The Fae are already distrustful against humans as is, but to attack them unprovoked with iron? <laughs> You'd insult them beyond repair. Fae are allergic to iron, and it burns them upon contact. With a cut from a sword like mine, it takes time for the creature to heal. I try my best not to, um, use it. Let's see what you are. I'm going to walk a cautious perimeter around the area. I'm keeping my distance because it's still dangerous, but it's something I have worked with before and am familiar with the habits of. This big lump of a guy is the hide behind. Another one of the fearsome critters from Lumberjack Tales, but in this case, is a critter you should actually be afraid of, or at least very cautious. Just like the common pine, the hide behind uses camouflage to hide from prey, but it keeps its distance behind trees until it is ready to pounce. The hide behind evolved from the ground sloths, a now extinct cluster of sloths that could grow up to 17 feet in height. Like sloths, it is a slow mover and sleeps most of the day. Because of that, it relies on stealth before launching itself at prey passing by. It is faster than its ancestors. If I move over here... Oh yeah, look at you. He's a male. You can tell because of the dark lines on his face running around his eyes. That and his height 
are the only difference between a male and female hide behind. He is small for a species, only about 10 feet tall. The amazing thing about this species is that like their ancestors, they have the capability of bipedal movement. They are able to walk on their hind legs for an extended period of time and keep their balance with their long claws. Because of their size, they are unable to live up in trees like the sloths of today, but instead live in dens or caves that they dig out for themselves. He is an omnivore, mostly snacking on plants, but will hunt fish or larger mammals such as deer or people. He will keep his distance now that he knows I know about him, but if I didn't, let's just say that there's a reason people go missing in the woods when hiking by themselves. They really are majestic creatures. Very intelligent hunters are able to learn migration patterns. I'm going to get out of his way and move on. He shouldn't be able to follow me if I keep my eye on him. Do you remember the boo in those old Mario games? They tend to work like that. Aren't you brave that I'm not looking? Look at him. Inch around that tree to get a look at me. <laughs> He's craning his neck out just a tad so he can see if I'm still watching. I still am, bud. Okay. I should be out of his line of fire right now. I should get a move on before it gets dark. Let me tell you, that is a loaded day today. I was not expecting to see all of that. Hoping every expedition I take will end up looking just like this. Catch you guys later. The Viridian Wild is created, written, and produced by Davis Walden, with creative consulting by Nicole Miller. Our music is composed by Daryl Banner. This episode features the voice of Davis Walden as Sebastian. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as The Viridian Wild, or email us at theviridianwild at gmail.com. Learn more and find transcripts of this episode at theviridianwild.com. We would like to thank our first adventurers joining us on this journey, Joe and Mandy Walden. You can support Sebastian's study of the magical world around us on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash theviridianwild and gain access to bonus materials such as bloopers and book recommendations. The Viridian Wild is a product of Always In My Head Productions. There are four species of squonk in North America. The dappled squonk, the black-footed squonk, the flat-nosed squonk, and the northern rockback. The northern rockback is the largest species in North America. It can grow up to six feet in length and three feet in height. Till next time, happy trails. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.